welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Good morning. How's everyone doing? So as we open up the service, you got to see the first clip of the Chosen series. And if you haven't watched this series, it's really this incredible series that is about the Gospels and about the life of Christ and what he came here to do. And so today's message really ties into kind of the season that we're in. I don't know if you remember where you were 20 years ago. Some of you might not have been here yet 20 years ago. But 20 years ago, uh, yesterday, was probably one of the most life-altering days for many of us. I remember where I was. I was, um, I was in geometry class, and we were watching, and we had turned on the TVs, and we watched the second plane hit the second tower. And being, you know, 15 or, or 14 at the time, like, I remember feeling afraid. I remember looking at that and going, I don't know what is going on. And then soon, another plane hit the Pentagon, and then later we find out that a plane crashes in Pennsylvania. You know, and I think about what happened in that moment, and that day changed everything for so many of us. In fact, like, you used to be able to walk your family to the gate at the airport. Does everyone remember those days? Like, you, you didn't have to have a ticket. You could have an ID, and you could walk your family to the gate. Now you can't even really get out of the car, right? But there is this reality where life really changed very heavily that day for so many of us. And what happened to a lot of us is fear. Our, our world changed, right? Because all of a sudden, we weren't fighting a nation. We were fighting a shadow state. We didn't know where their address was. We didn't know where their headquarters was. We were fighting an unknown enemy. And for so many of us, that was a very fearful season. And for some of us, it still is. Some of us are still nervous to fly, right? Some of us are still nervous to go places, and in many ways, rightfully so. But fear has this way of changing you and I. 
In fact, a couple years ago, I was a freshman in high school, and um, I don't know about you, I'm not a big fan of homework, okay? Like, I'm almost anti-homework. I always, like, look at teach, if you're a teacher, I'm sorry, but this is how I think, okay? But I'm like, when do you go to your job and work eight hours a day, and then they give you more work to do when you get home? That's kind of my thinking, right? Like, here, oh, you're going home to rest? Here's some more work for you to do when you get home. So I'm like, we don't do that as adults. Why would we do that to kids? Like, we need little kids to to learn. And I'm all for learning. I'm all for practice. And if it's necessary, in fact, there was a couple classes in high school where I would tell the teachers, like, look, let's just work out a deal. If I'm doing okay, I'm not doing the homework. And I don't know if I need the extra practice. And then if I'm doing bad, I'll go do the extra work. But let's not make this awkward. You know, like, let's just make this easy on everybody, okay? You don't want to grade it. I don't want to do it. Let's move on, okay? And so that's how I focus on things. But I don't know about you, but there's always a little bit of pressure that comes with all that homework, right? Uh, There's all of this pressure that can kind of enter a situation, and you have to deal with things. And there was one morning uh, where I woke up, and I forgot or didn't or didn't want to do vocab homework. Who remembers like those books that you would get with the vocab and you'd like have to fill in sentences and define the terms and all these things. And so I didn't do my vocab homework. So first period is when I realized it like, uh oh, I did not do my homework, but I had a period in between. I had second period, which is homeroom. And then and then you have, you know, that's when I had my English class right after homeroom. And so Uh, If you remember Homeroom, maybe you don't have that anymore. It's when the terrible news station that comes on from your high school and they're like, you know, Sarasota High lost by 40 points last night. And you're like, I know. Okay, like this is awful. And so during that time, I looked over at this girl sitting next to me and I said, hey, did you do your vocab homework? And she's like, yeah, of course. She's like such a good student. And I was like, hey, can I see it? (laughs) She's like, okay. And like, I probably peer pressured her in like, you'll be cool if you give me your homework. I don't remember that, but I feel like that's what happened. And so what I did is I took her vocab book and I put a book over my book, like her book, and I left it here. And then I had my vocab here and I was copying like hundred percent. I was cheating because I was afraid of like, what would happen if I didn't get the work done, right? Like no one wants to walk in and say like, I didn't have the work done because I didn't really, I was afraid kind of of what the teacher would say or what would happen. I was afraid of getting a zero, right? And so I started copying. Well, the teacher um, that, whose class I was in noticed that I was working really fast. And then like the book was above the table. And I was going through this work really fast, not paying attention to the news. And he walked over and realized like I was cheating. Grabbed my book, grabbed her book. Uh, he then goes, tells the English teacher and like fear entered my heart, right? Like anyone ever get caught like that? And then you just, I just pleaded the fifth. I didn't say anything. I just stayed silent. Like you get so scared that you're just like, I'm going to be quiet. I, I can't say anything. This could be terrible for me. And see what happened in my life there was the fear of failing or getting that zero caused me to do something I really shouldn't have done or wanted to do. But then what happened after that was that because of what happened and the consequences that I faced, we both got zeros and things like that, I then began to identify myself by my fears. Because all of a sudden I thought, well, I'm not smart enough. I'm not a good person. I'm not okay. Like, you'll never be enough. These kinds of things entered. You're a cheater. 
That's what you are. Like you cheat. And those, those lies begin to enter my mind and my heart because of the fear that I was experiencing. So fear led me to do something I didn't want to do or should have done. And then the fear of the consequences that came after that kept me in a prison. And for so long, I identified myself by that. I identified myself as you're not smart enough, you can't do this, you, you, you won't ever be okay, it's not enough, all of these things. And so what happened to me is fear led me where I didn't want to go, and then it kept me where I shouldn't have been. And I think that's such a common theme for so many of us. Fear. Fear is this tactic that's used by the enemy to keep us from God so many times. And if you notice in the beginning of this story, that's Mary Magdalene that's in the story. And today, that's whose story we're going to follow through this video series this morning. And it's episode one of The Chosen. If you've never seen it, I would just encourage you with this. You just download The Chosen app on your device and everything's free. This is the largest crowdsourced uh, film project in world history. Okay? I think we, I looked yesterday the series, the videos have been viewed over 274 million times. And so what happens in this story as we're introduced to the story of Mary Magdalene is that she's scared. Her dad begins to cough, right? Like he's coughing and so she's scared. She comes out and is worried and she has every right to be worried in this story because if your dad is coughing, if your dad is sick in this time in the world, one, there's not a lot of medicine and two, her whole identity is built into her father, right? During this time, Wrong idea, but this is the way the culture was, is that women couldn't own property. They couldn't have their own. They couldn't even testify in court. And so their identity was so much built into the father or the head of the household. And so for Mary, if her dad dies, we're in big trouble. Like we have a lot of problems. So she's scared. How many of us, when we're scared, begin to do things that we shouldn't do? Well, as we look at the story of Mary, we're going to see that Mary kind of begins to be identified by her fears. She calls herself by them. In fact, you'll see as the movies go on, you're going to be confused because you're going to be like, well, they're not calling her Mary. Well, that's because the world calls her by a different name. Lalith, Lilith, whatever they call her in this story, but they call her by a different name. And today, what we're going to look at is the fact that if we don't deal with our fears, if we don't begin to deal with all of these things in our life, they will totally disrupt us. They will totally control us. And some of you can identify with that right now. Fear is dominating you in your life. So let me just say this first. There's no shame in being fearful. Fear is a natural thing, but fear is not meant to control us, to bind us in. And so as we get ready to jump into this morning, if you have a Bible with you, I'm going to ask you open to Isaiah chapter 42. If you don't have one with you, don't worry, the words will be on the screen. But as we continue in this story, I want you to notice what fear can do to us. Take a look at this clip.
blessed the Lord formed you, O oh Jacob. And you created you, O oh Israel. Fear not. If you pick up on the story, the story leaves off with Mary as a little girl and her dad's sick, and all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place we don't expect to find her. Right? If you connected with that part of the story, that clip, that Mary's not in a great place. She's obviously having some mental health issues. She's dealing with the fear of some of the things that have happened to her. Fear somehow had entered Mary's life and had taken her to a place she never wanted to be. We don't know the whole story of Mary, but we know some of the things that may have happened to her, right? Because what we understand and know about Mary is that she either was or became a prostitute or she was living with people like that. That there was a part of her life that how do you go from this little girl who's afraid, whose dad is telling you, what do we do when we're afraid? We quote the words of Adonai, which is the Hebrew word for father, to now she's in a moment where she is alone. She looks haggard. She looks tired. She looks like fear has been having its day with her. And then now she's being triggered into memories of fear. And notice she couldn't even get the words out. She had them written down. She was ready to go and trying to use the words to remind her to not be afraid, but the fear was too ever-present. Something happened in Mary's life, and you have to look at it and go, I wonder what fear or circumstances drove her to end up where she was. Because fear will take you to places you never thought you'd be. For some of us, like right now, you're in a place in your mind, in your life. Does anyone remember sleep? Right? Do you remember that good old friend sleep? But fear and anxiety and worry has stolen that from you. And so that verse that Mary's trying to quote all the time and in the very first part of the story comes from this book of Isaiah. And that's actually Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. If you know anything about the book of Isaiah, it's this super famous prophet who's talking about the nation of Israel and what's going on. But Israel is in a really bad place when this book is written and the prophecy is given. See, Israel has been taken captive by this group of people called the Babylonians. They're out of their homeland. They're out of charge. They've been enslaved. They've been taken over. They've been plundered. And now they're living in this thing that the Bible refers to as the Babylonian captivity. They're living under a curtain of fear. They're hostages as a nation at this time. And this is the context in which Isaiah is writing to the people in the last half of the book of Isaiah is all about this guy called the suffering servant who's going to come and who's going to rescue Israel. He's going to rescue them from their current fear and circumstance. And so I need you to understand that because the very verse that she's quoting is written in a context of fear and being overcome. That verse that she's quoting is actually meant 
for the exact situation that Mary finds herself in and that you and I find ourselves in. And so in order to do verse 40, chapter 43, verse 1 justice, we got to understand what's happening right before, right? You've heard me say context is king. Let's see if you have a Bible with you. Would you open up quickly to Isaiah chapter 42, starting in verse 18. And I'm just going to quickly read through the passage that we're going to get to, and I think we're going to see five things that fear will do to you. Because fear will dominate you 100%. In this passage, Israel's in a fear moment. They're in a cycle. Anyone get in those cycles where something happens, and then you just start spiraling down and down, and the thoughts get worse and worse, and the anxiety gets worse and worse, and all of a sudden, you've got butterflies or stones in your stomach. You're physically shaking. You can't eat. You can't sleep. You can't do anything. You're in a fear spiral. Isaiah is talking to the nation of Israel, and they're going through something similar. Just read along with me or listen with me to these words. Chapter 42, verse 18. Hear, you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant or deaf as my messenger whom I send? He's talking about the nation. You guys were my messengers to the world. You're deaf, and you can't see. Who is blind as my dedicated one or blind as the servant of the Lord? He sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are open, but he does not hear. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness sake to magnify his law and make it glorious. But this is a people plundered and looted. They're being abused. They are all of them trapped in holes and hidden in prisons. They have become plundered with none to rescue, spoil with none to say, restore. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will attend and listen for the time has come? Who gave up Jacob to the looter and Israel to the plunder? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? in whose ways they would not walk, in whose law they would not obey. So he poured out on him the heat of his anger and the might of battle. It set him on fire all around, but he did not understand and burned him up. But it did not take, he did not take it to heart. What happens in this story is Israel is in this moment where they are being plundered and abused and they cannot see and they cannot hear. All of these things are happening because they're in this fear cycle and because they're in fear, the abuse is getting worse, the plunder is getting worse, the hopelessness is growing. And so Isaiah paints a pretty dark picture there. Not super exciting, not something that we would say, hey, you need some encouragement? Read Isaiah 42, 18 to 25, and you'll be lifted high. But we're going to see that's not where the story ends in the book of Isaiah. But here's what I really believe. See, fear will cause five things to rise up in your life. Like, they will come out and they will dominate you. And the very first thing that fear will do is it will cause you to miss what is right in front of you. It will cause you to miss what is right there. 
There's a movie a couple years ago. I can't remember what it was. Uh, oh, it was Robin Hood, with the one with Kevin Costner. And he's fighting this guy, Little John or whatever, who's not so little, but he's fighting him. And the guy falls into this river, goes down this little mini kind of waterfall, and he starts freaking out because he can't swim and he's going to die. Does anyone know this scene? Like, he's like flailing. Well, Kevin Costner, Robin Hood, grabs him and sets him on his feet, and he can stay in the waters only about this tall. See, because of fear, he missed what was right in front of him. Because of fear, he missed what was right there in the midst of his worst trouble. Look at what the Bible says, verse 18. Hear you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but the servant, or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one, or blind as the servant of the Lord? Look at what the Bible says here in verse 20. He sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are open, but he does not hear. How many of us in the middle of fear, in the middle of our anxiety, in the middle of these situations that we're going through, you're missing the help that's right in front of you? You can't, you can't see it. You can't hear it. You feel alone. You feel like there's nothing that can rescue you or save you. So fear will cause you to miss in your life the very thing that's right in front of you. For little John, all he had to do was put his feet down and he'd be okay. It took someone else intervening in the middle of his fear spiral to help him find his footing, which was always there. How many of us are missing God in our life right now? Because of the fear that's in our lives. He's right in front of you. He has not gone away. His spirit speaks to you and tells you the word. But you can't hear and you can't see where God is in your present danger. Fear has blinded you and it caused you not to hear. We need to be snapped out of that. We need to have a moment where we can do that. That's exactly what happens to Mary in the story. Notice that the word of God was right in front of her. She could not see it. Her fear was coming in so much in that moment that she could not get to the word. She couldn't see God's word right in front of her. She could not hear his voice for the enemy in the fear of who she was and what she had done was calling her out by name. Prostitute broken, whatever she was hearing, unworthy, right? And in this moment, she is in this season where she cannot hear the word of God because of all the voices that are screaming out to her who she is in her fear. But not only will fear cause you to miss what's right in front of you, it will forget, make you forget what you know to be true. How many of us this is us. As soon as we get in fear, we forget the truth. We forget what is really happening. We forget the reality. I feel like that's what's going on in our culture right now. Have you not noticed that whatever side you're on on all this stuff going on in our culture right now, the news and the media and the politicians and people are using fear to freak you out? Like we can't think rationally anymore. On either side, it seems like, it's all fear, and then people do irrational things in fear, do they not? We freak out. 
We, we, we run the wrong way. We, we move the wrong way. Listen, fear is a good short-term friend, but a terrible long-term master. Like, if we're in the woods and a bear's chasing me, I don't need to be like, you know what, let's just pause, time out. I really need to think about what way I need to run. I need to look at my surroundings and go, you know what, which way should I go? No, just run. But if that same fear causes me to never go in the woods again, it's now a prison. It's a great short-term friend. It's a terrible master. And that's what fear does to us. Look at what it says in verse 21. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness sake to magnify his law and make it glorious. What does that mean? It means that God wanted to let his truth be known. But these people who are in fear are blind and deaf. They can't see what's right in front of them. They can't hear what's right in front of them. But the Bible says that God has made known his truth. God has made known who he is. God has made known his promises. And has God not promised Israel through Abraham that he would make them a great nation and he would give them a land and he would redeem them and he would restore them? But they are blind and deaf to the promises of God because of the fear that they're in. Where are you blind to the promise of God in your life because of the fear that you're in? You've forgotten the truth. Because fear has a way of making things that aren't real very real. Right? How many of us, you ever watch a horror movie? How many of you sleep well that night after the horror movie? I remember we watched this movie called The Grudge. All right? And everyone's safe under the covers except in that movie because that's where she comes out. I was like, you ruined this! This, like, whatever she is, ghost, demon, whatever girl, she comes out of the covers. And I was like, oh, no! <laughs> Me and a bunch of guys. Okay, you want to know how bad it was? We watched the movie. I'm like 16, there's a guy who's 18, like a bunch of dudes, right, bros, okay? We literally pulled up to my house in my neighborhood, which has no lights, and after we watched that movie, we literally said, that movie was freaky, and they're like, yeah, I know, and when we got, and then the guy goes, hey, when we get out of the car, can we run to the house? And I was like, yeah, bro, I wasn't going to ask, I was just going to do it. And then we ran to my house, and then we were all freaked out that night. We all slept in the same room. We put cots and things, and we were freaked out. And we're like, what if she comes under the covers? We forgot what was true. This was a movie. But because we believed the stupid lie and fear was reigning, we acted accordingly as if it was true. We ran into a house. We were scared to sleep. Fear will cause you to forget what you know to be true. But not only that, fear will steal from you. Fear is a thief. Fear will take from you constantly. Notice what the Bible says here, starting in verse 23. Who among you will give ear to this, will attend and listen, for the time has come. Who, he says, who's going to listen that the Lord has made known his truth to the nation, but not only will you hear it, will you act upon it, right? This is what the Hebrew means, like to know is to act. To know is to do something. To hear and to see is to respond, the Hebrew here goes, look, it's not just like you saw it. You're going to act upon it, right? How many of us see ads all of the time that could actually help us, but we don't act upon it? You see it, but you don't see it. Verse 23, he says, who's going to listen? Who's going to respond? 24, who gave up? Or oh, sorry, verse, uh, I, I went ahead. Verse 22, but this is his people, plundered and looted. 
They are all of them trapped in holes and hidden in prisons. Does this sound like a pleasurable thing? They have become plundered with no one to rescue, spoil with no one to say restore. Then he says, who's going to listen to this? Who's going to hear this? Who's going to understand this? What is he saying? Fear steals. Fear takes from you. And some of us in fear have given up parts of our life to other people. Have you ever done something in your life, I know I have, to please other people because I was afraid they wouldn't like me? So I did something out of fear that I completely regret. And how many of us now identify ourselves by that thing? Oh, you did that. And now fear led you to do something you didn't want to do, and now you live in a prison to what has happened. Fear will steal from you. Fear will steal your joy. It will steal the truth. It will steal your ability to see and your ears to hear. Fear is a thief who all it wants to do is take from you. And let me just tell you that fear is used by the enemy, and it's been a tactic he's used from the beginning. Adam and Eve, if you go back to the story, does not the enemy play on fear to Eve? You'll miss out. Did God really say that? God doesn't want you to do that because if you do, you'll be like him. That's fear. I mean, how, how many of us, like you've been peer pressured into things because you didn't want to miss out? You don't want to miss something. You didn't want people to be displeased with you, so fear will steal. But not only that, fear will cause you to run from your protection. Look at verse 24. Who gave up Jacob to the looter and Israel to the plunderer? Was it not the Lord against whom you have sinned, in whose ways they walk not, in whose law they do not obey? It says here, look, like you've been plundered and you have all these problems. Verse 23, are you going to listen? Are you going to hear this? Are you going to keep running to these things that are overwhelming you? And so we've seen that fear will do some things in our life. It will cause you to run from your protection. How many times do we see this like in a movie that someone is in a safe place, but because they're afraid, they're like, we got we to gotta leave. We got to run. We got to go. And they leave the safe place. And because they leave the safe place, because they're afraid, now they're overcome. How many of us, because of fear of the enemy, fear of what the enemy is calling you or saying to you or making you worry about the future or giving you anxiety or all of these things, how many of us have left God, metaphorically, you can't leave him because he's always present, but you've turned in your heart and your mind away from the Lord and you've run because of fear. Because you've forgotten what is true, that God is able. God can do all things. God is capable. He is good. He is kind. He works together all things for good. For those who love him are called according to your purposes. But you're like, this is too much. I can't do this. And you run. You split. You go. How many of us have given up on a relationship or are about to right now? Because fear has caused you to run. How about this? How many of us, we may need like a medicine or we may need to talk to somebody, but we are afraid that we'll have to rely on it our whole life or what it might do to us so we don't even try it. We don't even take it. And that medicine could be our protection, but we run from it because we're scared. 
I'm not saying shame, shame, tiss, tiss. What I'm saying is you're a human being, and the enemy knows how to play on your heart and your mind, and he knows how to take you into fear. And he knows that when you get into fear, all rational thinking shuts off. Did you know that? Did you know that when you are afraid, your brain physically shuts off the frontal lobe of your brain, which is where all rational thinking happens. That's why people who are scared do things and they're like, I don't know why I did that. Because this thing called the amygdala turns on and takes over, and that's where fight or flight sticks up. So when you're afraid and you're in a survival situation, your rational thinking turns off. That's like parents. Why sometimes when you're in this fight with your kids and you're yelling and you're screaming and you're telling the kids the truth but they're not responding, it's because they can't because they don't have any rational thinking in the moment. Has everyone ever taken a break and five minutes later you come back and now you can have a normal conversation and they hear you? You just take off. Or you're afraid of God because the enemy has twisted some truth in your life about who God is, and so you begin to war and fight against him. You did this. You're awful. Why would you do this to me? How can you even be a good God? Are you even there? I don't want to do that. I don't want to read. I don't want to listen. I don't want to hear. I don't want to praise. I don't want to go to church. I don't want any of this. Because some of us are afraid to take God up on his promises because we're afraid that God's going to fail. And so we run or we fight against our protection. And we see this in the life of Mary. We see that in Mary's life, fear has done some things to her. It took her to a place she never thought that she would be. It took her to this place where she missed what was right in front of her, God, right in front of her. She couldn't even read the verses. She forgot what she knew to be true, Isaiah 43, chapter 1. She was stolen from so many things, her innocence, her ability, her identity, her name, stolen. And she ran from her protection completely. But the most dire consequence that fear will do to you in your life is seen in this next clip. And so see if you can connect with this moment. Fear will lead you to desperation. I don't know if you're in this room, 
But maybe you can identify with Mary right now. Maybe there's a point that you're at right now that fear of what has happened or that it will never get better is leading you to believe it might just be better if it's over. I know that this is a dark place, not something so pleasurable to talk about, but maybe you're there. Maybe someone in this room or online right now needs to hear that it can get better. Fear has stolen too much from you. Fear is stealing from you right now. It is causing you to forget what you know to be true. It is stopping you from seeing what is right in front of you. And let me just tell you something. You're not a mistake. The world is not a better place without you in it. That there can be healing and freedom here right now. And if you are struggling with suicidal thoughts or you're struggling in desperation, you're not alone. And there's a church here and a people here who are willing to walk through this with you. And so I just want to stop you right now that you can hear the rest of the message, but I have your first action item if this is you. You need to come down here or find me or find a pastor or call us or write it on a card today, and I will call you today. You no longer need to do this alone. God doesn't make mistakes. God didn't, you aren't here by mistake. The Bible tells us so much more than that, that you are precious in his sight, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator. You are this person who was knit together in your mother's womb by the creator. You're not a mistake. What has happened to you does not devalue you. You know, in churches, I didn't grow up in church, but I used to see this thing where I don't know if anyone's ever been there. They would like start with a rose in the room and they would give the rose to someone and then they would say, pass it around, pass this rose around. And then everyone would do that. And you know what happens to a flower after everyone touches it. Looks like garbage, right? It's used. And the imagery in that was so many times like, this is what happens when you sin. Look how nasty this rose is. Who wants that? Jesus wants that. Jesus made that. It's precious to him. And the value of the rose is not in what it looks like. It's in the fact that he made it. And some of us need to remember that you're fearfully and wonderfully made and nothing will devalue you. You're his. You're his creation. You're his child and there's nothing that will remove you from that. Do not forget because of fear and desperation. It can get better. It will get better. Fear is stealing from you right now. And here's the thing. For so many of us, you're being called by the wrong name. Mary in that moment probably hears this idea that she's hopeless or helpless or broken or a burden or it's never going to get better and you're always going to be depressed and you're always going to be abused and you're always not going to be enough and you'll never make it and life's never going to get better and you'll never be freed from these demons and you'll always hear those voices. And so she walks to a cliff getting ready to jump. I listened to, uh, in the preparation of this, uh, a guy wrote about a story. He had been depressed, severely depressed since he was nine years old. This guy was in his mid-30s. And he read some of his journal articles, and this is what he said in one of them. He said, I don't want to die. I just don't know if I can live like this. 
And so he got into this trial, actually, where they were using LSD to treat people with severe chronic depression to help reform their brain. But he was at this point, I thought that was so interesting. I don't really want to die. I just don't know if I can keep doing this. He's desperate. See, I have a question for all of us today. What name are you answering to? What name do you hear that's calling out to you? Israel, in the book of Isaiah, heard abandoned, cursed, crushed, forgotten, slave. The enemy began to speak into their life and they let fear because they were stopping to, for, to remember who God actually made them to be. It stole from them the promises and the words and the truth and what was right in front of them. God was always with them. Fear had stolen everything from them and they were desperate. I'm telling you, being a slave to Babylon might be a lot about like you being slave to the thoughts that are inside of your head. It's desperate and it's awful. But my question is, is what name are you answering to? See, the world and the enemy is going to get really busy naming you by your past. It's going to get really busy naming you by your mistakes or what happened to you. And then it's going to, because it calls you by that name, it's going to cause you to worry and doubt the future. It's going to steal from you, and it's going to use fear in the things that you did in fear, and now you're captured to it in fear to dominate you, to press you and to crush you. Mary heard that she was hopeless, that she was fearful, she was broken, that it would never be okay, that the, the only logical step was to end it all. It's not. But what about you? What about if I asked you, hey, would you introduce yourself to me? What's your name? And you'd say, hi, I'm divorced. Hi, I'm damaged. Hi, I'm angry. Hi, I'm addicted. Hi, I'm a victim. Hi, I'm hopeless. Hi, I'm depressed. Hi, I'm anxious. Hi, I'm fearful. Hi, I'm judgmental. Hi, I'm insecure. Hi, I'm faithful. Hi, I'm drunk. Hi, if you were like me, I'm a cheater. See, so many of us, because of fear, are answering to the wrong name. Because like I said earlier, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, and so many of us, how many of you have this issue, Kelsey has this issue all the time, um, where she can't remember things, like names or words. And we have this, I don't know, the Holy Spirit intervenes. I think I have the gift of interpretation. Because in the silence, I hear and I'm like, oh yeah, hammer. Okay, yeah, I got it. But how many of you, like, you see something and you go, oh, I can't remember the name. What's the thingamajig? Well, I need, you know, the thingamajig. I need the thingamajig. And you're like, a hammer? Yeah, okay, like, I can get that. Just because you forgot what it was, did it not have a proper name anymore? See, and you can't change the name of something that someone else created. You can't. You can't change its identity. No one else is going to adopt that term. It is what the creator calls it. You are God's creation. And so you are exactly what he calls you. That's your name. You're just answering to the enemy's thingamajig nickname for you. Depressed, crushed, broken, abandoned, victim, 
Helpless, hopeless, sinner, all of these things, that's what you answer to. And God goes, why are you answering to the name that's not given to you? For I have named you because I created you. And nothing else in the world has the right to name you but me. Some of us, because of fear, have amnesia. You've forgotten what your name is. You've forgotten who God has called you to be. See, we are so broken sometimes and so in this place in our life where we're having issues that we won't even correct people anymore. Kelsey's name is Kelsey, K-E-L-S-I-E. A lot of people call her Chelsea, okay? I get mad. I'm like, no, her name's Kelsey, not Chelsea. Get it right. But this is something that Kelsey's been dealing with her whole life. And so Kelsey's gotten to the point where she just doesn't even correct people anymore. Now, I don't think it's because of fear. I think it's because Kelsey's humble and she just doesn't want to make the other person feel awkward. But the reality is, that's so many of us. The enemy calls you by a name and in fear, you just give in. Cheater. Okay. You feel forgotten and abandoned. You won't even correct people anymore. And some of you right now aren't correcting the enemy in your life. What does the Bible have to say about this? Isaiah 43, chapter 1, the story doesn't end there. But now, thus says the Lord. Notice that God speaks in the midst of our fear. He makes clear what is to be known. He who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel. He begins to use their name. Have you forgotten? You are Jacob, which is another name for Israel. Have you forgotten? You're Israel. You're my people, whom I created, who I gave promises to. Then look at what the Bible says. Fear not. God is saying, I want to take you out of fear right now. I want to remove you. Jacob, Israel, that's your true name. I'm going to remove you from fear because tied to your true name is the promises that God has given you because he's called you by name. Look at what the Bible says. For I have redeemed you, a promise and a truth. I have called you by name. You are mine. This is the verse that Mary is trying to quote in the story. This is what she's trying to say and trying to remember and trying to see and what her dad taught her to do in the past. But all of this fear and all of these things that happened to her or all of these things that she did keep screaming to her and she's forgetting. Verse 43, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. God begins to speak the truth in the midst of fear and says, I know that you're dealing with all of these things, but this is the truth. You're mine. You don't create junk. I'm a redeemer. I take things that were broken and restore them. What happens in this moment is, is what happens in our lives a lot of times. Pastor John likes to mess with my kids a lot, which is okay. I mess with his kids, whatever. But this came to mind as, as an analogy. Because see, what happens here is John will look at my girls and call them the wrong name. 
because he wants to just mess with them, right? And so he, we'll call them the wrong name. So he sees Piper. He goes, hi, Tatum. He sees Tatum. He goes, hi, Piper. He sees Scout. He's like, hi, Tatum. And my girls do the exact right thing. 90% of the time, my girls just ignore him. They're like, oh. And then he's like, hi, Tatum. And they're like, you talking to me? I don't see Tatum here. Hmm. Okay, moving on. Right? And my girls, because they, they, they in this moment, know what the name that their father gave them is. They haven't forgotten their name. They haven't forgotten that this is who I am, that I am Piper or I am Tatum or I am Scout. And it's for them, they can ignore this lie that's coming to them because they know exactly who they are and they know the name that their dad gave to them. And every once in a while, John will say like to Piper, hi, Tatum, and Piper will go, that's not my name. My name's Piper. Let me just remind you that I don't have amnesia of who I am. My name's Piper. Let me correct you. This is what we need to do. The enemy so often is calling you by the wrong name, and you're answering to it. Sinner, awful, terrible, broken, abused, victim. And you're sitting there in this moment in your life and you're being abused, you're being overtaken and simply what the Bible says is you need to be so confident and know the name that God has given you so much so that you can ignore the lies of the enemy. You don't even turn an answer to it. And every once in a while when you keep hearing the same name being called, you need to look at the enemy and remind him of what your name is. I'm Blake. I'm a son of God, a saved son of God, precious to my Father who made me in heaven, redeemed and saved. That's not who I am. You need to get it right. And sometimes when the enemy is so keen on reminding you of your past, you just need to remind him of his future. Yeah, that's who I was, but that guy's dead and gone. I'm a new creation in Christ, and I am called by a new name. But let me tell you your destiny. Let me remind you what's going to be happening to you. There's this place called the Lake of Fire reserved for you. You have a front seat table in that place for eternity. Let me remind you of my future now. I will be in heaven with my Father. I will be enjoying Him for eternity while you're sitting in a lake of fire. So why don't you just back off? Because you have nothing to say to me. I won't be spending eternity with you. So why would I believe in what you have to say? For so many of us, this is what we need to do. You need to remember the name that the Father has given you. And if you've believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your name is son and your name is daughter. And God loves you incredibly. And I think what we're going to see in this last clip is how powerful this moment can be. Take a look at this clip. So, did it work? I'm sorry, did it? Elias? What? We should talk, huh? Leave me alone. Oh, what, huh? It's going to scratch me, too. Come on. Not now. So, see. Not now. 
She smells anyway. I don't know what else I can do to help you. Give me that. Lots of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from no them. No more preaching. Just give it to me. Lilith, please listen to what I'm Says the Lord who created you, and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You. So what name are you being called by? What name are you answering to? Notice that the world in that clip kept calling Mary by the wrong name. But as soon as Mary heard her name, her God-given name, the one that the Creator made her with, it changed everything. And he quoted the exact verse that we've been talking about, Isaiah 43, verse 1. Hear and listen, O Israel, O Jacob. I have redeemed you. I will rescue you. I have called you by name and you are mine. 